Hello, strong, feisty women. Some of you may recognize my voice. I'm Celine Yeager, host of the Hit Play Not Pause podcast. Throughout my career as a professional health and fitness writer and now a podcaster, I hear countless questions from women who are trying to understand how their ever-changing hormones impact their sports performance. So we decided to serve up some answers in a brand new series called Hormonal that we will be releasing on the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast feed. Throughout this four-part series, reproductive endocrinologist Dr. Carla DiGirolamo and I will be tackling topics like periods, the pill, pregnancy, and conditions like PCOS, all from the perspective of sports performance. If you aren't already, follow the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast and stay tuned for our first episode releasing on April 15th. Also, have questions you want answered? Send us a voice note at speakpipe.com slash hormonal and we'll get it answered on the show. You are listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast, a podcast for women who are chasing epic and everyday adventures on their bikes. We are a production of Live Feisty Media and hosted by Christy Moan and Katherine Taylor. This is ridiculously exciting. I'm so stoked that we're going to do this. <laughs> I know. So this is really fun because I so I started this Girls Gone Gravel thing just as an Instagram account a couple of years ago, and I had known the Live Feisty team through uh, their podcast and through some events that we did and just felt like it fit with what they were doing. They wanted to just really highlight women in endurance sports and so this seemed to fit and I was working with Sarah Gross who is the founder of Live Feisty and she said who would you want as your podcast co-host and I said well if I could have anybody it would be Christy Moan but I think she's too busy (laughs) and you had emailed me that week to talk about an initiative that you're doing with Lifetime yes so tell us about that. That's a, yeah, I mean, that's crazy because I think having seen what you were doing out there and we're working so hard with Lifetime, we have our Women Ride the World initiative, which which has kind of come out of the 200 Women, 200 Miles initiative, um, mostly moving towards giving women um, all the space they need to ride whatever sort of distance they can on the bike and how we're going to support them with that. And seeing what you were doing, it seemed natural to reach out to you. So Yeah. And when you say 200 women, 200 miles, so some people might not know that. So, so your background uh, comes out of Dirty Kanza, which if people aren't in the race scene, if they're just riding, tell us a little bit about Dirty Kanza and what you did. Oh, Dirty Kanza. Let's do the snapshot. 2006 was when it started with 20 or with 34 riders out of a hotel parking lot. Um, 34 crazy souls that went out to ride 200 miles of gravel all in one day. Um, and from there it's turned into what's been called the Super Bowl of, of the gravel events. Um, and we have riders from, uh, this year, um, all things considered, 
uh, 38 countries in every single state and over, you know, 4,000 riders will be participating in, in um, Dirty Kansas at this point. So um, it's grown quite a bit. And with that, um, I really wanted to put an initiative out there to encourage more women to join us on our start line. And um, we did that with our 200 Women 200 Miles campaign, which was an effort to get 20% female at the start line of our 200 mile distance. Uh, we launched that initiative back in 2016. So, yeah. That's awesome. And I don't think I've actually told you this, but I got into gravel because my friend Lauren um, got into Dirty Kanza and she started riding and she would just tell me about it all the time. And I was a triathlete. <laughs> I had had an accident. I was just really burnt out. And so finally, after her telling me all these amazing things about gravel, I was like, well, I'm going to go, I'm going to try it. I'm going to ride with her. And so, really, Kansas is what got me into this whole scene. <laughs> it all goes back to Dirty Kansas. Oh, well, I, I've said that before. Like, all gravel roads, roads lead back to Emporia. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, that's really fun. So, how are things for you as you're uh, – I know you're having to make some big decisions about Dirty Kansas, and you all have said yep. it's going to be uh, a May 1st decision, which I think is really yep. smart. So, people have a timeline. Um Tell me about a little more, or help us understand a little bit more of how your team is just helping people understand that and what's going on. Well, I mean, I think the the goal is, um, you know, May 1 will be the latest that we announce anything. Um, the, the truth is we're looking and paying attention to everything as closely as we can. Um, you know, we sold, uh, the Dirty Kansas team is all still intact that, that began the race uh, way back, but... Um, now we have a much larger team to help us with these decision-making processes. And personally, I couldn't be more grateful. Um, I'm grateful for the, the, the clarity and the calmness that they keep, um, keep us focused on. Um, none of this is easy as anybody that's in this world knows we all want to be on our bikes and riding gravel and sharing the community that we've all come to love. And at the same time, we have to be doing it in a, in an insanely different type of responsible manner. So that's kind of where we sit, and I'm, I'm grateful for the extra support right now, for sure. Yeah, that totally makes sense. It's, it's a hard call for everybody, even myself. Uh, there's a route close to me in uh, Atlanta, where I live, that I ride a good bit, but I just haven't felt super comfortable going out and riding mm-hmm. with everything going on right now. Atlanta's kind of a hot yeah. spot for the virus. And so I've been riding really close to home, which is not as much fun. But since there are no cars on the streets uh, right now, it's not as bad as normal. Well, that's good. It's a riding. Well, and you know, we have the advantage, of course, of the wide open spaces of the Flint Hills. And, um, you know, I've not been riding with any groups. Obviously, I've gone out with my husband. Um, He's kind of stuck with me. But um, it's, it's sad to see um, that these gravel roads that are usually full of lots of cyclists right now are not. So I'm very anxious to get to the other side of this and get back to some normalcy for sure. Yeah, I think we all are. And yeah. we're all excited about when events happen, um, no matter if it's when they were supposed to happen or if they get delayed, they, there will be a lot of full events <laughs> this fall. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I wonder when we'll be able to hug again. <laughs> I know there'll be lots and lots of hugging when that happens. Um, wow. 
Cool. Yeah, I thought I wasn't a hugger, but I'm like, well, maybe I am. <laughs> I know these fist bump thing or elbow bump things are getting elbow bump is yeah weird. Yeah. Well, okay, so we have a guest today, and I'm really excited because um, speaking of Dirty Kanza, she has been called the Queen of Kanza. Although I've noticed in gravel, there are a lot of queens of things, so I'm not sure where that comes from. <laughs> But she's actually um, a good friend of yours. So tell us a little bit about today's guest. Yes, we have um, Allison Tetrick that's going to be joining us. And it's uh, no secret that um, I met her at Dirty Kanza. Um, She was the she was on our initial Women Ride the World panel in 2017 and went on to win the event. It was her first gravel event, and it was the first time that she had ridden over 120 miles. So um you talk about being brave and conquering something new and different. Um, that is definitely what Allison did. And we've become good friends over the years just through gravel um, and kind of through just some of our antics. We're both a little on the on the loopy side sometimes. So it's been – it's one of the things I love about gravel the most is that, you know, we've gotten to meet – I've gotten to meet some really, really um, amazing individuals and amazing women. And I think Allison definitely – does a great job of being a role model, um, putting herself out there um, in all sorts of ways and um, being an inspiration for sure. Yes. And what I loved about this interview and what you and I talked about with the podcast is we really want to create a community of women who are empowered to chase their big adventures. And she really gets into a lot of just how she struggles through her mental processes with that. She gets into even some... um, tactical stuff so it's much less about the race reports and all of her backstory and much more about just the real Allison and it was a really fun interview um, to do. Yeah I agree. So yep. So we're gonna go on and let you hear our interview with Allison Tetrick. Um, we're super excited uh, to have our first podcast guest today and that would be none other than Allison Tetrick. She's the uh 2016 winner, is that correct, Allie? 2017? <laughs> Allie, can you kind of tell us how you got into gravel? Yes. So I'm super excited to be on this podcast because to me, this is gravel family and royalty here with um, being with you, Christy. And you're one of the big reasons I got into gravel. (laughs) So (laughs) funny story. I live in Petaluma, California, which is north, little north of San Francisco. And Petaluma may be only a town of 59,000 people. But it is the home for two Dirty Kanza winners. That's true. Uh, Yuri, Yuri Hoswald also lives in Petaluma. And he, of course, has won Dirty Kanza in a very muddy year. And I had been racing professional uh, road cycling on a UCI World Tour team, uh, living in Europe and racing predominantly for about eight years. And I really kind of was starting to lose the zest. And it's not that I didn't like the competition, but maybe it was a little bit of the risk. I had 
overcome uh, a lot of injuries. I think I've broken most bones in my body, but a shattered pelvis and a traumatic brain injury was one of them. So I became very risk adverse and I was risk adverse prior to the injury. And then after it was just constantly trying to outweigh like risk and reward. And I had done almost every race barring the Olympics on the road. And so I had achieved all my goals that I'd written down and I was still loving riding my bike and I was just looking for how can I ride my bike and have fun? And it was another Dirty Kansas champion as well, Rebecca Rush and Yuri, who are really good friends, kept going, what are you doing racing roads still? Come ride gravel with us. And I had so much FOMO on, you know, looking at the internet and looking at all the adventures they could do and these fun races where the people looked awesome and you can ride your bike all day with your new closest friends. So Yuri said, why don't you show up for Kansas? So I was still racing road in 2017 for Silence Pro Cycling, finished the Amgen tour of California and scrambled to, to figure out like, <laughs> how do I get like race Dirty Kanza? And I just really wanted to try it. So in 2017, Dirty Kanza was my first gravel race I ever did. Um, and prior to that, I had never ridden my bike over 1,720 miles. And so, first of all, I'd never really ridden on dirt. I don't own a mountain bike. I've never ridden a mountain bike still, um, pretty much. And so, dirt to me was pretty scary. And I just kind of absorbed a lot of information on the internet, entered Dirty Kanza. Turns out I, I won it that year. And also, I still have the course record for that year on at Dirty Kanza. But it wasn't about the race. And to me, I like to call gravel events I go to events for that reason because when I showed up it was just a wonderful community I got to meet you Christy and your entire team there that put on that event and then so many more people that were like-minded and wonderful and it didn't matter if I won or not I still pushed myself to the furthest I ever had and so I woke up the next morning and it was such a challenge that I just was so bike hungover, like my everything in my body ached. My head was just still brimming with the fun of the night before and watching everyone cross the finish line until two in the morning. But then also I had pushed myself mentally and physically further than I ever had. And being a professional athlete for at that point, almost you know nine years, I thought, wow, I just found a new challenge and it was fun. <laughs> and I found all my new people that were my people all along. And so I just really loved gravel. So thank you again for my first time to Emporia, Kansas, you know, whatever, three or four years ago and just being welcomed with open arms and having the time of my life. And then I was hooked and it was pretty much history from there. You, you spoke to something really interesting, Allie, that, that, um, I, I get questioned a lot about, People are, women in particular, are always talking about how they're scared to ride gravel. Um, So when you were talking about being risk averse and how you were feeling that way in the paved um, profession part of road cycling that you were in, can you talk a little bit about that transition to gravel and um, maybe speak to women that are out there that are a little bit afraid of trying gravel? Yeah, I I think, I mean, it... There's, of course, the cliche quote that says, do one thing a day that scares you. I mean, and for me, that might be folding a fitted sheet because I still don't know how to do that. But (laughs) 
that's also translatable into going from road to a little rougher road to gravel. And honestly, like it's not as scary as you think. And what I enjoy about gravel minus the starts can be hectic, of course, but you can choose how crazy you want to go at the start. And, and for something like Kanza, pacing matters more than anything. And so once the chaos of the start where everyone thinks they're going to be the queen or king of Kanza that year goes away and dissipates pretty quickly, actually. <laughs> and um, then it's just you on an open dirt road and you're either by yourself or with new and old friends. And it's not as scary as you think. And I think to get comfortable on dirt or gravel, it is about trying it out, but doing so in a safe environment um, and just kind of learning some of the skills. And to me, it's, it's unlike road cycling in a lot of ways, because the, in a true gravel event, you know, the roads are pretty wide open, you know, it's a wide road. There's not, you know, ton of mountain biking type things in a race such as Kanza, but um, it's just about practicing your skills, keeping your head up and kind of picking the right line and then trusting your equipment. So I mean, the internet's been really powerful to me. I mean, people ask me tire pressure and tires and equipment and there are right answers and wrong answers, but there's also Google and you can read what's successful <laughs> for some people and what's not. And for me, it was just getting out and doing it. And I laugh because there used to be a section of construction on one of my favorite road training rides that had heaven forbid gravel. And I got off my bike and walked it. Cause I didn't know I could ride across it. <laughs> so like you, you don't know how scared I was of, oh no, what if I puncture? What if it's looser than I thought? And so one of the tips I have is, is just, to, first of all, try it. You want to pick the right line because it is, it's more unpredictable than road, of course, because there can be a looser, sandier, rockier section. Um, so keeping your head up and looking, looking ahead, um, trusting wheels in front of you and practicing it on your own is, is really helpful. And for me, it's just, I try to take deep breaths and relax and enjoy the moment. And the more you're relaxed on your bike with your hands still firmly attached to your bars, but you're relaxed, then you can absorb the bumps and the, you know, the unpredictable terrain that you're covering. So I think it's just a getting out and doing it. And you don't have to go out and bomb some crazy descent. You know, I mean, it's walk sure. a section if you're scared or, you know, I mean, I walked at Kansas last year and I still got second. I, I was walking parts. <laughs> you know what section cannot... did you walk oh the hill Little Egypt <laughs> yeah <laughs> and a river crossing I think yeah yeah I sense. can totally relate to that though Allison I uh the first time I went and rode gravel I had come off uh I hadn't been riding a lot because I'd had a really bad accident on my time trial bike doing triathlon going down a hill and I, my hands were like frozen in the brake position at the end of my ride because I was so scared of going downhill, but it really was like mentally, like, just get out there, try it again, just get out there, try it again. And it's gotten easier and easier um, doing it over the years. So because you I, gain, you gain confidence with practice. And I think it's just about being prepared, staying really positive on um, like, Christy taught me this, and um, the first year I did Dirty Kansas, I was fortunate to be a part of a women's forum, and I was sitting there, never ridden gravel before, but a part of a panel of very experienced women, and talking about just positive mantras that you can give yourself, and 
I think if you give your, yourself a little grace and you treat yourself kindly and others around you, you actually perform a lot better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. I just, I did a women's forum at a gravel event earlier this year, um, the Oklahoma gravel uh, growler. And they were asking me, how do you descend? And I'm actually fine on gravel because, you know, the speeds, you're not as high usually as on road because you just have different rolling resistance. And I, I have one thing, just don't panic and don't break sometimes. Like when it's a straight shot and I can see my line, just don't panic, right? You don't want to grab a fistful of brakes because you're panicking. Like, so it goes back to talking positively, being calm and confident in yourself and your equipment and practicing it over and over again. And then with that, you become quite proficient. And then you realize in two weeks, you're like, oh, I'm way better than I was. And then a month later, you're like, oh, well, now I'm way better. <laughs> so yeah. it's about working on it. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of that, rumor has it, depending on what happens with events this year, you are going to be working on a new bike skill. Uh, I am. Uh, tell us about <laughs> that and how you got roped into that. <laughs> well, Christy Moan is apparently my spirit animal. Um, <laughs> she she texts oh, me. And no, I don't know how I got signed up for this, but... <laughs> <laughs> to be, to have I her do. be my spirit animal. I've I mean, so many. This is how I've signed up for so many races. I, I understand. So, she she literally texts me. Uh, I have a crazy idea. Are you in? And I just go, yes, I'm in. And she goes, before you commit, you might want to call me first. And <laughs> I just go, whatever idea Christy has, yes. You know, we're gonna have fun. It's gonna be around bikes and travel. And so I. I, I call her, Christy, I think within like 15 seconds and I, I yeah. call her and, and she goes, well, what do you think about doing Leadville? And then my heart just sank. I go, oh no, these are things I'm horrible at. I've only, like, only written about my probably three times in my life, still don't own one. And I'm really bad at altitude and I'm terrified, but I thought, well, Christy just asked me to, and I did not think about it for more than three seconds. I go, absolutely. She goes, what? I literally don't think anyone else could pay me to ride a mountain bike. But when Christy just said, hey, I think this is a great idea, do Leadville. And that's how it first started. And I go, okay, because her voice, and this is what women, we learn about each other. But when somebody believes in you, you believe in yourself. And she approached me unabashedly and and just said, you should do this. This will be fun. I go, great. Okay. And she goes, really? And I go, yeah. And she goes, okay. And then the next day you're going to do steamboat gravel. And I was like, oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and then she's like, it's called a lead boat challenge. Can we just act like we're talking longer that I'm, I have to work to talk you into this. <laughs> like <laughs> I should probably give it a few hours. And, and I said, well, no, I, I mean, I'm in, I, I love this because for me, it was a new challenge and I know I've pushed my body and skills in a lot of ways, transitioning to gravel racing. And then also it's not all about winning. And I think it's about challenging yourself and finding a goal that inspires you. And this one just tugged my heartstrings and I got inspired to train and prepare for a new adventure where my result doesn't matter as much as it's a new challenge that I haven't completed yet. So I think it was Christy's belief in me and support. And Christy, don't tell me if you didn't actually believe in me. Oh, um, I just <laughs> and I, I, it was something that excited me. And I think that's what we all need to find is, is goals that make you excited and not somebody else excited. You know, it has to be about you. And, you know, you know there might be women out there that said dirty cans is too much. It's too long. Or I want to do the hundred or that's awesome. Just find something that makes you want to get out and ride your bike with your friends and pick that. And so for me, 
this year, hopefully, um, events are, you know, we can correct our current situation the best we can. So we were able to go ride with our friends, but um, yeah. Lead Boat Challenge is going to be a, a, a big adventure um, and a bucket list event for me, hopefully in August. Wait, Christy, are you doing this too? Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. I'm not doing it maybe, by myself. Maybe we need to do live coverage at this event. Oh, God. Um, yeah, I'm signed up. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say on that. <laughs> I know I know exactly how this is going to go because Allie um, said this to me at Gravel Worlds. Um, was it two years ago? When did you say that to me, Allie? That, two years ago. Yeah, two years ago. It, that was Ask Annette, the Ask mm-hmm. Annette year. Yep. Um, where, like, I just wasn't feeling it. And she said, uh, we're going to put on our big girl panties and, and do this. Big girl chamois. <laughs> Ch- big yeah, girl big chamois. girl chamois and do this. Oh, that is definitely a new saying. Yeah, it's a good one. And I use it regularly, mostly because she's yelling it at me. But um, but I think, you know, when, Allie, Allison, when you're talking about those those start lines and the obviously the DK 200 has become a a big, big event for a lot of people, but I'm super passionate. And I know you are about the fact that choosing that distance, that the distance that fits you and challenges you, um, is super important too. You know, it doesn't have to be Epic 200 miles. Epic could be 25 miles for you. So. Yeah. Or just doing your local gravel group ride Mm -hmm. with your bike shop or a group of women and yeah, this was, um, it was gravel worlds 2018. And I mean, I'll be honest, it was a, it was a really tough year for me. And, um, it's the beauty of gravel. Uh, I can just speak to it for, like, frankly, but the beauty of gravel, it's, it's gotten a lot of exposure and it's an amazing sport. And I love this part of the part of cycling. Um, but with it became like, I started getting pressure and, I used Mm -hmm. to joke that I started doing, I started racing gravel to lower the pressure in my life and lower my tire pressure. And I had that (laughs) joke. And then I'm going to start lines and people are asking me if I'm going to win or, you know, know, and it started getting a little heavy. I'll go, oh no, I'm doing this for fun. And I just really want to enjoy my day. Why do I feel like I have to perform every time? And so when I went to Gravel Worlds in 2018 to go pick up my number, I was crying like I was just going oh I don't know if this is fun right now and I saw Christy and she felt the exact same way and I think I did cry to you Christy and I go I don't Mm -hmm. know what I'm doing here I'm tired (laughs) (laughs) and and she goes well and you felt the exact same way and it was it was you being willing to show your vulnerability to me and me showing mine to yours and then I just go you know what we're gonna put on her I might have sworn um, we're going to put okay. on our you can swear on word here. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Girl shammies. <laughs> and we're going to do it tomorrow, no matter what. And I, I ended up winning and it was great. And I actually, to this day, that's one of my best days I've ever had on my bike. And I think that's it awesome. was being able to share that moment with you, Christy, and to say, you know what? It doesn't freaking matter like why we're here, but we're here. So we're going to make the freaking most of it. Like, <laughs> let's just line up. So. I think that's important to share your fears and, and remember why you're there and that you signed up for it. I mean, we're, we're paying for these race entries. We're paying for our travel. We're going to these places. 
and then you're nervous and you're stressed at the start line, just remember that you chose to do that because you want to be there. And that's putting on your big girl chamois and doing it and conquering the day. And it's not about your results. It's that you challenged yourself and you showed up. Yeah. That, that saying that you have that start lines are more important than finish lines is super relevant. I think. Um, yeah. I struggled with that a lot. Um, when I was recovering from my head injury and broken bones and I just never felt like I got credit. And I think it was even me giving myself credit for showing up. Like towing a line is really intimidating and people obsess about results, but I think you need to give yourself credit and others around you for showing up to a start line. Cause that is daunting. And I love the training. I love riding my bike, but challenging yourself in new levels is always scary. And so I do think start lines are more important than finish lines. We will get to the finish line, of course, with our big girl chamois on. <laughs> That's awesome. I have to tell you this. So my friend Lauren, you basically just answered her question. Um, she, I met her through the triathlon club. She had started riding her bike as an adult um, in June. She heard you on a podcast in December, signed up for the lottery, not knowing that there was the whole 200 women to Kansas, got into DK 200, and... She um, ended up finishing less than a year after she started riding a bike. But you inspired her. And she had asked, like, what that pressure was like for you now that you've kind of become, you know, the person that a lot of women look up to. So you answered the question before I even ask it. <laughs> there is always pressure. But we, you know, we put pressure on ourselves, too. And some of it's external. Um, and, and a lot of it's, of course, internal. And we're usually our own harshest critic. So I think it's having a positive people around you, like, Christy and yourself that can kind of bolster our confidence that, I mean, Christy doesn't look at me and expect me to win every time or, you know, she wants me to show up (laughs) and she wants me to be the best version of myself. And I think that that's what you have to remember that, that you're there and you're going to do the best you can. And that's all you can ask for. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, Hey, we wanted to talk a little bit about this elephant in the country right now, (laughs) elephant in the room. (laughs) Uh, I know, uh, based on Instagram, you were in Spain and maybe had to cut your trip short. And you've been pretty public about dealing with some anxiety right now, um, which I think we all are. So I wondered if you'd be willing to share a little bit more about that process of getting home, what was going on, and even, you know, how you're dealing with things right now, because I think everybody's just trying to figure that out. Yeah, it was, it was stressful. I, I, Went to, uh, I was in Girona with Specialized. Um, I ride for Specialized Bicycles. And I was there and we needed to definitely leave the country because the coronavirus was getting uh, much more prolific. And so we did cut our trip a little short and I made it home. So I fly through San Francisco. It wasn't a huge issue on the way there. Honestly, the flight was empty, you know, because people were starting to be a little more cautious on travel initially. And we were only there four or five days and then we left. And then it it was a lot much more chaotic coming home because I think that was the initial you need to be back within the next three days. (laughs) So I do think it would it was a stressful to get back, but also wasn't that bad. I mean, there were so much precautions on cleanliness at least. I felt like there were options to make sure that you're, you're staying as healthy as possible. And I think tomorrow's my day 14 of self isolation post Spain travel, but, um, living in the Bay area, we've been in shelter in place now for almost a week. 
anyway. So we only have essential businesses open here. Um, and it is stressful in a lot of ways right now. I mean, I tend to be a worrier in general. Um, I, I, luckily with my Instagram posts or Facebook posts or whatever, I mean, people make me feel not crazy because they feel the same way, but like I'll lose sleep at night about text messages or emails or what my to-do list. Or, I mean, I'm, I tend to be a pretty high revved, um, individual in general. I'm not usually worried about my health, but safety. Yes, I am very risk adverse. I worry about did I respond to this correctly and did I fold my laundry? You know, so there, there's those things that we all kind of deal with. So we can call that anxiety in general. But right now, I think just due to the current political and health climate occurring in the country, it's difficult to keep that on a simmer. And so as an athlete, it's hard for me because we were just talking about pressure and there's some events you really look forward to and they inspire you. And there's some events you're kind of terrified of. And as these events are unable to occur because of health concerns and um, which for obvious reasons, um, then you find out that you actually were really excited about doing them. So I'm almost like careful what you wish for because you're like, Oh, I'm so nervous about this event. And then it has to cancel. And then you're like, oh man, I really wanted to go test myself there. <laughs> and so you go, oh no, like I, as athletes, we like to focus and target an event just so we can train and prepare and you, it keeps you much more grooved um, into that. So I find that relatively difficult. And my heart, of course, goes out to um, Olympic hopefuls and Olympic qualifiers because you know, you're peaking for this moment and now you have to wait another year and how that works. So it's it's pretty hard as an athlete, I think, to to quiet your head and then to regain focus. But what I've done, and I've used this in recovery um, before, like recovering from injuries or other setbacks. And I'm a big to-do list. I mean, yes, I would just admit it. I lose sleep over my to-do list. But <laughs> I think lists are helpful. And I do them on, on pen and paper. Like I'm a pen and paper person because I like, I like that satisfaction of crossing something off. And writing it totally down. get it. <laughs> yeah. And so my mom taught me a trick actually to have a to-do list by your bed. So when you're losing sleep because you're worried about that email you meant to send your boss or a sponsor needs something, I just write it down on the paper. And then I did find it helps me go back to sleep because at least you're not worried that you won't remember. And anyway, so that's one tip. But what I've done through this is um, somebody told me once and I, um, when I had a broken pelvis and brain injury and I'm sitting in my childhood bedroom because I can't read, I can't do anything. I'm sitting in the dark looking at a poster of Patrick Rafter, who was quite handsome in his day, and Serena Williams. <laughs> and I'm sitting there, I played tennis in college, by the way. <laughs> and I'm sitting in my childhood bedroom looking at tennis posters on the wall and, you know, homecoming sashes and things like that. And feeling like somebody just hit the rewind button and why am I sitting here? And I was really depressed. Um, it was really hard for me. And I had a dear friend, a family friend say, well, what helped me go through this was saying this too is a gift. So what can we do with this moment of chaos and mm. how do we make it a gift? And right now, yes, we're isolated from each other, but you can do so much to work on yourself and also do things for others in a virtual or snail mail sort of way. And so what I've done is made two lists to help calm my brain is, yes, I want to 
go and race dirty Kansa and I want to go ride my bike around Cascades in Oregon and I want to do all these things, ride Joshua Tree and I have all these adventures that I want to do. So I have that list there. So I'm still intrigued by what I'm going to do in the future when this crisis is is less. Um, but then also what can we do right now with our time? So if you're riding alone and you're a woman that just started riding gravel, it turns out you ride alone a lot in gravel in races so or events <laughs> yeah. in gravels gravels like that. And, and so maybe this is a good time to work on mental toughness. Maybe it's a good time to work on those skills we were talking about that are scary. Uh, maybe you write one snail mail letter a day to a friend, a college roommate, your grandma, you know, somebody. And, and you start making a list of things that you can control right now. And to me, that calms my brain, but it's also, all of us are working from home, or I would say the majority of us are working from home currently um, and if you're not, thank you for your service and time for being an essential business. Um, but so what can you control right now with that? And now you doubt, like maybe you're not commuting. So you have more free time. You're riding your bike a little less. You're riding by yourself. So what can you do to bolster yourself and others? Um, and making that list for right now and how you can do that. And I think that really helps. And then it turns out maybe you're doing yoga and your grandma has a cart. So it's, it's, it's kind of a win-win. <laughs> Yeah, it's in. I mean, I think those are all super great tips. I think that um, from someone that lives in the space of of needing some routine, um, it's trying to establish the new routine um, that's healthy and and productive and and giving myself goals. So it's interesting to hear how you do it, Allison. And I think that's always a good tip for you know for our listeners too. Is is what what from this can you take to to put yourself in a better situation when we come out on the other side of this. Because we will. We'll come out on the other side of this, which is what's, we will. what's the good news. And the situation sucks. I mean, it sucks for so many reasons. It's terrifying. It's a pandemic. I mean, not... And then we can go into the business side of things and our own personal finances as well as events. But we can only control what we can. So mm -hmm. when I raced road, I was a time trialist. And one of the mantras I used that was control your controllables. Like, you know, you can't, you can't control some things. So what you can do is just control you. And I use that for dirty cans of prep as well. You know, like I can only control me. I can't control the entire event. I can't control how somebody else is feeling, what somebody says to me, you know, if somebody's sick or not, I can just control myself. And, and that helps to like, or control what I can. And so that's through preparation. And then also it does, like, if somebody's listening to this podcast, that means, you're goal oriented and you're inspired to achieve something and be the best version of yourself. And through this time, we have to still take these days locked in our houses as a gift. And what are we going to do? Maybe you start scrapbooking or decoupaging. I mean, I did that. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, that would not be me. <laughs> I, I planted a garden. I'll be honest. My bike's on a trainer. I ride my bike still. Ugh. It's good. But <laughs> I, I am doing the, the handwritten cards. But <laughs> just wait for yours. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's all good tips. Well, we've gotten several from you. I'm sitting here writing these down, like oh, no. tips from Allison Tetrick. We've got uh, <laughs> put your big girl chamois on. Start lines are more important. Control your controllables. And this, too, is a gift. And you can yeah. do a self-help book, yeah, Allison. We're on, we're on something here. Wow. <laughs> that was on my list. I thought, well, maybe if this, this keeps lasting, yeah. I should write that book. <laughs> 
Yeah. But it's amazing how we, busy I get in my little apartment without writing anything. <laughs> oh, God. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure my kids are becoming adverse to my lists that I keep making for them to do. So. <laughs> Stop well, focus. Just great. directing focus. <laughs> One of the things you uh, talked about kind of. Uh, goes into some of the we got ask our Facebook community. We have a women cyclist gravel cyclist Facebook community, and we asked them what they would want to hear from you. And one of the things kind of fits into all of this. They were talking about or asking if you're in the middle of a super tough ride or race, and your mind goes to that dark or negative headspace. How do you pull yourself out, or how do you stop yourself from going there in the first place? Um. So I think one of the things outside of results and other pressures I put on myself that I have the most worry about entering event an event is um I call it sorry and I'm not trying to be dark but I do call it impending doom because there is a part of excitement that you're going to go push yourself and then there is that part that goes oh no I'm going to go push myself (laughs) mentally and physically impending doom is going to like I just had that like darker like feeling going, who am I going to meet out on those gravel roads somewhere? And I'm by myself or I've blown up or I'm having a bad day or I'm scared. And I am kind of concerned sometimes of what version of myself I'm going to meet. And I've made jokes about this because I, I talk to myself a lot. Um, I'm a little bit of a laser focused pinball in my brain. So I, I worry about what version am I going to meet? And, and so I think the, answer to the question is no matter what you could have the best day on your bike ever and you probably will still at least have one dark point in that day and and then you have to understand that that is normal and we all hit dark places like sometimes briefly sometimes way longer than we should be there but Mm. you will hit that and and then then take a step back and realize Say you're on the start of Dirty Kanza and there is 2,500, 3,000 people doing some something like that, Christy, right? Like a lot of people are out there. <laughs> and every single one of those A people, lot of people. <laughs> yeah, let's go with a lot. A lot of people. But every single one of those people is also going to hit a dark spot at one point in their day. So a trick I use is go, okay, get ready to meet whatever inner crazy is going to surface, which in my case is lots of different versions. You just... There's a lot of inner crazies that come out and then also recognize that everyone else is also going to experience that. And so then it's a matter of how quickly you can recenter, refocus and get back to positive and positive forward movement. And so I think that's giving yourself grace, realizing everyone else is also going through that. And then how quickly can you turn around on and, and people don't like it when I say this, but I'm just going to tell you internal do- dialogue. Like, say you're getting dropped on a climb or you're just feeling puffy. And I'm like, I'm fat, slow, and ugly. And I use it as a joke. But, like, that <laughs> is, like, kind of what you're saying in your head. You're just like, I'm never having nachos again. Probably shouldn't have had those margaritas. I probably should have trained harder. She's going so much faster than me. I'm fat, ugly, and slow. Like, I don't really mean that's what you say. But it's just you talk really negatively to yourself. And how quickly can you turn that back around and be like, hey, you know what? You're doing great. Like, you're pedaling your bicycle forward. Yeah. Um, you're walking your bicycle forward. <laughs> and then Celine Eager, Christy, I know I use this all the time, but Celine Eager in our women's forum in 2017 
said this as our mantra, so I will not take credit for this, but it's hers and it's forward progress. Take care of yourself. And are you making forward progress? Are you fixing your flat? Are you pedaling your bicycle forward? Are you walking your bicycle? You know, like, are you making forward progress? Okay, check. And then are you taking care of yourself? And I think that's where taking care of yourself extends beyond just eating and drinking early and often and fueling and hydrating and, you know, knowing the race course and all of that. Taking care of yourself is also taking care of your internal feelings and mental space. So I think that's when you need to to speak positively. But I did joke about it because I think Celine also said, we've got this or you've got this is one of the mantras, or maybe that was yours, Christy. I think that might yeah. be yours. And, um, and I laughed because I... Don't know. I so, so, you know... No, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, it might have been yours. I can't remember, but I think it was like, I've got this. You're like, you're strong, you know, you're bold. You're, you can do this. You know, there's all these things. But when I started getting out in Kansas, I started saying, we've got this. And I'm looking around, I'm going, we? Who's we? I'm <laughs> by myself. <laughs> um, so <laughs> there are crazies in your brain. So I think... The point is to accept that it's going to happen no matter what, even on your best day ever. And then just how quickly can you recover from it and go back to a space where at least you, you have your ultimate goal in mind. Um, I've got a question for you, Allie. Um, and it comes from our, the Facebook group here that's asked some questions. I know that there's only one dog on this planet that you like. Um, which would be, you know, the sweet Ella, um, Mm -hmm. my puppy. But um, somebody asked, what do you do about dogs on a course? I hope I'm faster than anyone I'm around. (laughs) 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 True story. It's like sharks, right? Like you only have to, you have to swim faster than the slowest swimmer, right? (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) We're not the first one. I'm just kidding. Um, no, I try actually oh, not yeah. to be the first one, but um, I I just I, I hope you never record me doing it. But I probably just scream bloody murder, only to like make the dog not jump into my front spokes because I am a little nervous about that. And I've only had a few close calls out on courses, but it can be terrifying. So I usually scream bloody murder, say no, and they're they're not Ella. So they're not all very good dogs. Right. You know, so I make sure that they know they're not a good dog. And, <laughs> and then I sprint and just hope the guy behind me gets the dog and not me. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We have another very, know, do you like, Oh, sorry. I was yeah. just going to say like, I know around here where the dogs are. So, you know, you, you plan courses and I've had a lot of beginner female cyclists say like where can I go where there aren't dogs you know and I'm like these are the roads you don't want to go down because these these have the dogs so it's interesting. exactly I mean some people I've seen them use water like water or things like that I just water so valuable at a lot of these events um I just usually start telling them no 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 like as loud as I can and yeah and then you know yeah kind of go and, and surge ride as fast as you <laughs> yeah exactly I have a friend that does exactly the opposite. She just looks at the dog and she's like, you're the best boy in the whole world. And just tries to like suck up to it. (laughs) I try to be honest with my feelings and those are not the feelings I'm feeling. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. Okay. Well, we had one last very serious question from our group that we'll ask. Uh, That is, 
how do you take nature breaks during long rides or especially during these long events where time matters? Oh, dear. <laughs> in training rides. Honest, um, Allie. Yeah, no, I got it. Um, when training rides, I stop and pee. No, like no matter what. Um, and I actually, I, I do ride for specialized, but I call it like a free to pee, but you know, they have a drop tail system. So there's just a little magnet. So especially in cold weather, I find it really convenient to be able to unhook your bibs without taking off all your layers. Um, so then there's only, let's just say one section of large skin showing versus like all of your jacket, your, you know, everything coming off. So I do appreciate, um, I know a lot of companies do that, but Specialized does make a great one for that, that I can just drop trowel and leave all my layers on and then remagnet back up. It's awesome. Um, when time matters now, I do not want to give bad advice. It, de it depends what your time matters and what it matters to you. Now, I think a lot of us can stop to pee. If I am winning dirty Kansas, I will tell you, I do not stop to pee. Um, but and still, I have, right. Oh, I peed on myself. And it's unfortunate when you're in love with your mechanic <laughs> or slash your support crew, <laughs> And you're like, sorry, <laughs> um, when you see them at the next speed zone or, you know, aid station or support whatever um, place that you're like, sorry about that. Um, so I definitely <laughs> peed on myself at Kansas a couple times every year, a couple times. Um, well, I only recommend doing year. that in dire situations. It is not great for your... Um, sanitation, Anything. your yeah. shoes, your bike. It's not good. Um, but I am not going to waste 45 seconds peeing because 45 seconds is a huge effort to, to stop and pee. So I apologize. That's and okay. You know, hopefully uh, he I, doesn't I actually listen to this podcast. <laughs> it's mostly for a woman. Uh, I, <laughs> Uh, long course triathlon and uh that's the norm like you're actually quite proud of yourself when you're able to pee on the bike when you learn that skill but the chamois is super thin so that's what it has always grossed me out about cycling is like that's a big chamois yeah it's there's definitely been issues I mean it's not it's not the greatest thing a couple days later um so usually when I finish kids I mean you're just gonna have all sorts of issues you've been on your bike for I mean, my shortest 11 hours and 40 minutes, my longest 12, 15 or something like that. And it's not, it's not a pretty situation when you get in the shower, regardless, you can have all sorts of issues from diaper rashes to, <laughs> to whatever went on in your day. Um, so I usually have a shot of whiskey before I get into the shower or two and then try to clean up after. So it's not a pretty situation. I did triathlon, I will admit prior to, um, cycling and I never could pee while I was on the bike, but I could, um, on the run, which made sense, but your, your shoes would get gross and same thing in cycling. Um, descents, I will tell you if you're trying to do it, it's descents when you're not pedaling. Usually it's a good way to yeah. try. Same, but yeah, just well, like, let's go yeah. back to being risk adverse and <laughs> risk versus reward. <laughs> and, <laughs> Well, if you are 10 minutes up go. in front of your age group, maybe stop and pee. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe the best yeah. advice I got from you today is take a shot of whiskey before you shower after a long <laughs> <laughs> Another yeah. good tip. 
<laughs> that and then I use um, oh, this is awesome. a, like almost a whole bottle of conditioner in my hair because after cans, I mean, my hair, I braid it and I have a lot of hair <sighs> and it is just because it's so humid there and it can either rain or, you know, and it's just a long day. And so I use a whole bottle of conditioner and brush in the shower with whiskey because that takes also forever um, to get done. So, yeah. and I put conditioner in my hair before too, because to try to keep a little less of the rat's nest occurring. Oh, good tips. It's crazy for sure. Chrissy, awesome. we should do more tips. <laughs> I have good ones like that. <laughs> I know there's like, there's all these little tips and tricks that you kind of develop over years, you know, even as a event promoter, last year I forgot to braid my hair before the dirty cans of finish line. Um, and by the time I realized that I hadn't braided it, it was too late. It was a, it, it was just disgusting. Yeah. So, it just turned yeah. into a ball. And like it's that's, a rat's you know, nest. Yeah. And it's other, the, the gross thing about that, that was like other people's sweat. <laughs> is not mine? <laughs> but you know, those finish line hugs come across people. Yeah, they do. <laughs> And I love my finish line hugs, anyway. but I like it when I, I get to watch you finish top 10 at Dirty Kanza as well. So I think that might be well, more of a highlight. Thank you. That, that was fun. Thank you for that. Uh, this has been so awesome to have like a little bit of a lighthearted end to our conversation when we're in such strange times with COVID-19. And, um, you know, I, I, again, I couldn't think of a better uh, guest to kick us off. Um, we're, I know Catherine and I are super excited about what we're hoping to bring to the, to the community here. And, um, your insights are always super welcome. I, um, am beyond honored to be on this podcast with you, Christy and Catherine. So thank you so much. And I think we can come up with some more tips and tricks as you guys progress this. Yeah. I am now officially allowed in the Facebook group. So Game on. <laughs> Somebody texted me during this and said, did you, did you invite Alice and Tetrick to the Facebook group? Because she just joined. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe we'll like go on a little Facebook live and just do like a little insider. Big Facebook girl shammy time, people. One day. Oh, we oh, should we do that. that. We could call it big girl shammy time with Allison. Yeah. And we could all ride trainers and just talk. I love this idea. I love it. I've got the whole setup for us to do it. We'll, we'll do Perfect. it. Maybe after we launch the podcast. <laughs> I mean, we're all bored, right? We I'll need bring to- the whiskey. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I love this idea. Well, uh, we so appreciate your time today. This has been a fantastic first interview, and we really appreciate everything you bring to the gravel community. And I look forward to meeting you at a future race. And I'm sure Christy can't wait to see you at a future race. I know. I can't wait to see her and meet you officially. And then just a last thing to the women listening out there, uh, Christy put this up on her Facebook a few weeks ago and, you know, just never forget who you're inspiring along the way as well. And so if you can't think of somebody for sure, you are mentoring and inspiring somebody and you're getting more women out on bikes yeah. and that's what's most important. So don't take yourself too lightly and just remember that you are mentoring and inspiring women to get on bikes, all of you. So thank you for that. The Girls Gone Gravel podcast is a production of Live Feisty Media. Subscribe, like, and comment on your listing platform. Our producer is Taylor Mayhem Rudolph. You can follow us on all of the socials at Girls Gone Gravel or visit our website at girlsgonegravel.com. Mm-hmm.